This is Radio Maria, and this is Mornings with Radio Maria. And this morning, we are continuing our theme for the week, looking at international refugees and how we are supporting them here in England and around the world. We've had the pleasure of having the Jesuit Refugee Services team on the radio this week. We spoke to Megan on Thursday, and she was telling us about what they do in day centres and uh, more of the integration into the community life and supporting them. Well, listeners, today we have William Neal, who is part of the detentions team at at the Jesuit Refugee Services. Now, William, I'm sorry I called it the detention team. That is the wrong phrase. It's not, and it might not even be so much. What's the exact group that you support with the JRS? Thank you for having me. Um, Yes, so I'm part of uh, what we call the detention outreach team. And our role is to support uh, individuals who are held under immigration powers in the detention centres. Now, we work at two detention centres, which are out near Heathrow Airport, uh, called Harmonsworth and Colnbrook. But we also support men uh, down in Napier Barracks, uh, which is not... Uh, quite a detention centre, but not too dissimilar. And we also support the men who are uh, accommodated down there, which is down uh, on the Kent coast. Thank you. I've got to ask, what is a detention centre? In my head, it's a prison. Uh, In America, we have all these pictures of people in cages. In the UK, what is a detention centre? Yeah, so I I think that's a really good starting point. Uh, Essentially, a detention centre is a prison-like building uh, where the Home Office holds uh, people who they are attempting to remove from the UK. Um, and they can be doing that for uh, various different reasons. Um, it's not quite the level, I think, of the pictures we see in America of the kind of the ice teams and cages of people sitting on the floor. Uh, But if you kind of imagine kind of a prison, cells, lockdowns, uh, that type of thing, then then that's essentially what a detention centre is. Uh, The men don't have any liberty, so they can't come and go as they please. And I guess um, in comparison to uh, Napier Barracks, which I mentioned earlier, that's technically an accommodation centre because uh, although it is in a slightly isolated area, um, the men who are um, accommodated there can come and go from that site uh, as they please. So they can access the local community, they can leave the site, whereas a detention centre, you are locked in. There's no way in, there's no way out. So that's the kind of the key difference. With the the types of people that are put into detention centres, what range of, you mentioned gentlemen, what range of gentlemen are kept uh, in detention centres? So the, the people that uh, are detained and, and the people that we see and we support can, can vary greatly. Um, the underlying principle is that people are held there for the administrative purposes of removal, meaning that the UK seeks to remove them from the UK, or people can be held there whilst the Home Office kind of determine why they're coming into the UK. Um, so we pe- see people who are arriving uh, fairly freshly in the UK who are who have claimed asylum on arrival and are being processed in detention. Uh, this is something that we're seeing 
uh, more and more at the moment. Um, so people who are new and have claimed asylum uh, for various different reasons from lots of different, different countries uh, and who are being held in detention uh, in the first instance. Uh, we then also see people who are at the opposite end of that kind of a process where they have had a asylum claim processed in the UK and it has been refused and therefore um, and they've gone through all of the kind of appeals process their attempts to kind of get asylum and ultimately that has been refused for again any number of reasons and now the UK are telling them that they can't be in the UK because they have no legal status to be here and then uh, the Home Office are trying to remove um, them from the UK. There can also be lots of other people who have maybe fallen under immigration powers, maybe people who were here on visas and those visas have run out, um, people who were on visas and the Home Office have told them that they've breached a condition of their visa. Another element of detention is that if you are a foreign national um, and pretty much regardless of how long you have personally been in the UK, if you commit a a crime and that crime carries a sentence of over 12 months and the Home Office can also seek to remove you from the UK um, and so again those people will often be brought from prison into a detention centre before being uh, removed uh, from the UK or attempted to be removed from the UK. Um, what I would say is that the proportions of people in each of those categories who end up in detention can vary greatly uh, depending on the time of year so so it's never one kind of main population that makes up um the people in detention it can shift greatly i can just imagine because some of these people that have just landed are the are they the ones that we hear in stories that have have gone on the boats and crossed the sea to get over here that have perhaps been found in those lorry trucks being snuck in or have finally landed from escaping like Ukraine or some or, or Syria, are these the type of people that would be put in detention centers? Yeah, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, at the moment, and especially um, what has been quite a big part of my work recently is I've been working with people who have arrived in the UK, um, mainly following a small boat crossing um, into the kind of the English coast on those very sort of unsustainable and, and risky crossings on the on the um, dinghies which are not fit for purpose um, and there are men who have arrived less than 20 days ago who I've been working with uh, in detention so they have arrived they think they've got somewhere where they can seek safety and and receive justice and, and protection and, and all of those hopes that have been carrying them all of this way from from the terrible situations they've had to leave behind and then are basically being picked up by um, immigration forces and detained from the beaches and eventually find their ways into the detention centers of where we work and that has been quite a big part of my job recently supporting quite a few of the men who kind of fall into that category so what so you've got these these gentlemen. Uh, what sort of support is there? Is uh, I can imagine with such trauma, uh, such one they're 
many people are trying to escape war-torn countries or very dangerous situations where their lives are threatened, then on their journey here, they may have encountered more dangers, uh, doubts, loss of money, loss of job, and then now they're here. What support are you and your team able to provide for them? Um, the starting point for us is always to kind of help how the individual in front of us um, most needs our support. And that can that can vary um, depending on the person that we work with. Um, a starting point is always to try and have that human connection with somebody, especially it's very difficult when you get kind of absorbed into a, an institution of any kind and and there's not that uh, personable contact and and especially when we have to remember that these men are arriving in the UK limited levels of English um, which will vary but English is often a second third language if people do speak it um, they're trying to communicate but struggling there's that language barrier you've arrived after as you say ex some terrible terrible experiences um, which we can't begin to understand really. And, and then you're kind of in this setting, which is potentially highly confusing for you. You're not quite sure what's going on. Um, we try and connect on, on some kind of emotional level where we can and try and support um, that individual um, however best we can. Um, the emotional support is a huge part of it. As you say, um, certain individuals will have experienced um, persecution or torture in their home countries may have experienced trafficking or exploitation on the journeys over to the UK. Where we can, we try and um, ensure that people are receiving appropriate uh, medical assistance uh, for those things and uh, mental health support and psychological treatment. That can be a little bit difficult uh, in the setting in a detention centre just because um, we're speaking of kind of like hundreds of individuals who are held in these centers and all of whom will have some form of kind of mental health um, concerns and, and certainly their ongoing detention can, can trigger or cause a deterioration in their mental health. So the provision is not always available there. Um, what has been really key for um, specifically the group of people who are newly arriving in the UK is to ensure that they have uh, legal access and access uh, to justice because uh, at the end of the day, ensuring that they have a good solicitor who is fighting their case is going to be um, a real major battle uh, for them and, and making sure they have that legal access is, is really key, especially um, as we'll all be aware, there has been a lot in the news recently about the um, partnership we've created with, with Rwanda and the attempts that the UK has made to kind of offshore our asylum duties to Rwanda and and the men who are arriving at the moment um, and who we have been supporting in detention have been caught up in those attempts to send people to Rwanda and ensuring that you have a solicitor who is able to make the argument for you to remain in the UK is 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 key. So that's a big part of our job at the moment. This could. So this sounds like it could be a long process, a short process. Is there a is there a limit of how long someone can stay in a detention center? Like so after a year, the, you got to get out. We're 
definitely get you or or how do you... uh, I, I i wish um so the uk has no time limit on detention so when you enter a detention center you have no idea when you will be released and the uk is the only country in europe not to have a time limit on immigration detention um the figures show that the majority of people experience detention for around 30 days, uh, but quite often I'm working with people who have been held in immigration detention for um, three or four months, um, up to a year. Uh, we've been working with somebody uh, recently who's been in detention for um, two years or held in under immigration powers for, for two years. and there's just no limit and i think that um there's a there's a quote that often uh people in the detention se sector refer to and and that is uh, somebody who had experienced both prison and immigration detention said that in prison you count down the days until your release in detention center you count up because you have no concept of when your detention will end all you can do is count the days that you have been in detention and I think psychologically, that is a much different concept that you, a person who is in detention, has to grapple with and something that we see often leads to kind of deterioration in mental health. There's lots of reports that show that after the kind of the 30 day mark, that is often when you start to see quite a decline in people's mental health. Oh, my goodness. Are they able to? So again, listeners, let's let's picture this. This these these gentlemen have travelled. They are escaping what they had in their homes. They've lost their homes. They may have left their families. They may have lost their families on the journey over. And now they're in these centres, but they are getting this support, uh, uh, legal support, uh, psychological, mental health support from these volunteers, JRS, and so they are getting this support. Are they allowed to also, uh, William, communicate with families, uh, with their families, uh, visiting from families? Perhaps they've come to the UK with families here. Um, are they able to have this that type of communication or encounters? Yeah, so um, people can visit uh, people who are who are in detention, and and one of the services that JRS uh, provide as part of our detention outreach is to organise. Uh, what we call volunteer social visitors and and they are individuals who will go and see people one-on-one uh, -on -one during the visiting hours and to have that kind of uh, family friend connection with an individual who maybe doesn't have family in the UK who can visit people uh, but yeah there are there are hours when people can get can get visits so people who do have family or friends in the UK um, can have people come and visit them um, and there are ways that um, people can maintain contact so one one thing is that um, individuals in detention do have access to a mobile phone um, it's a very basic mobile phone so all it does is call and text it doesn't have access to the internet or anything like that but it but it is a, a, a mode of contact at least um, so often we will try and keep in contact with people um, over the phone. And uh, I know that there is some 
um, access to things like Skype calls, so video calls to people, um, which is, I think, particularly important for those who maybe have family overseas and not in the UK to try and maintain that kind of contact and have that kind of visual presence uh, with people. Um, obviously, we're coming kind of off the back of a, a pandemic uh, where kind of access to these centres uh, was much more difficult uh, as we kind of tried to control uh, the spread of the pandemic in, in the population. And um, phone contact was the sole way that we um, could maintain contact with people when we weren't able to see them face to face. And so the fact that they have that way of communicating is is vital and and really, really important. Uh, I, I wish that it was was more and, and maybe internet access and access to WhatsApp, especially in the modern world, would be would be so much more helpful than calls and texts, but it is at least something. True. It's something. It's more than something. You guys are definitely providing them a lifeline and supporting them with a lifeline to normality and families. Listeners, this is Mornings with Radio Maria. This morning, we are continuing our look at Refugee Week this week. On Monday, we spoke to Rhiannon Perdue, who is the Emergency Response Coordinator for Jesuit Refugee Services. On Thursday, we spoke to Megan Knowles, the Communications and Development Manager, and she shared how they help in day centres and run activities for women's groups and families. And today, we have William Neal, Detention Outreach Caseworker for JRS. And he's been sharing with us what a detention centre is and what it's like for those arriving on our shores, seeking a new life, a new home and a new community. Thank you. You've got, you're handling a lot, William. Uh, mental support, physical support, uh, lawyer, legal support, and also connection with the outside world and families. Now, we've been speaking about men a lot. Are, do women, are these detention centres for one gender only? Or is there a women's detention centre, a family detention centre? Or do women and children go elsewhere? So, so in the UK, um, the vast majority of people who experience immigration detention are men. Um, and on the whole, uh, single men, uh, not families, um, the centres where we work at, there is a provision to hold women um, for a short period of time, uh, for up to seven days, uh, usually to uh, allow removal to take place or to um, process them and release them into the community or move them elsewhere within the kind of the UK detention estate. Uh, there is one purpose uh, built women's only detention centre. Uh, which is called Derwent Side, and that's up in County Durham, up in Northern England, and that does hold uh, women, um, which is a move away from uh, Yarlswood, which is kind of the more renowned women's centre, uh, which is, has been turned now into a, into a male centre. Families can be detained, and, and that can include children, uh, but this is very, very rare uh, in the in the UK um, and will only happen just prior to removing a family from from the UK. It wasn't so long ago um, that the UK did routinely um, detain children, and and this was only 
stopped. Um, I can't remember the exact uh, year, but it was uh, when the coalition government of the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives were in power. So within recent history, we were routinely detaining children within the detention estate. Uh, but that doesn't happen anymore, thankfully. And the vast majority, it is men. Uh, but we do see women also in detention. Why is that? Is that because there's more men immigrating or yeah why is that why is uh, i i think it's i think it's hard to really pinpoint um the reasons why the majority of people who experience immigration detention are men um i think and i don't have exact figures to hand but i'm sure that if you probably looked at the breakdown of certainly new arrivals into the uk and via those kind of um crossings of kind of the lorry drops or the um, small boat crossings. I'm sure probably the majority are men who are arriving in the UK and there can be any number of reasons for that. Um, quite often families will send ahead um, a family member who they seem, who they feel is the most able or most likely to get to a, a country of, of safety. And then if they can establish um, their claim, then they can bring their family to join them. Um, obviously, in other cultures and, well, in the UK culture as well, uh, there might be a sense of um, responsibility on the part of the male member of the family. Um, and therefore, they feel it is their duty to try and seek safety for their family. And that's why they come ahead first. Um, but also people are, are detained from the community and, and people can be picked up at a moment's notice um, and detained. And that can be incredibly disorientating for individuals and, and incredibly damaging. You're essentially plucking somebody from their community, from potential families that they've established here in the UK or arrived in the UK with, and, and you're separating them. Uh, we see this a lot with uh, nationalities such as uh, Jamaica, uh, which has had quite a few highly publicised deportation flights where you have individuals who have been in the UK for significant periods of time and have established family life here in the UK, and then the Home Office seeks to deport them, and in doing so, breaks up a family. Um, I think also partly we kind of... Um, view a level of hostility towards men that maybe we don't towards women and children. And I think that is just kind of a deep rooted um, kind of belief that we, we hold and, and prevalent in uh, lots of ways of life. I, I mean, if you think of quite a blase example, it's sort of when the Titanic was sinking, it was women and children on the lifeboats first. I think we have um, in a culture kind of a way of protecting women and children that doesn't always extend uh, extend to men. I, and I think that is part of the reason why we do see a, a, a higher number of uh, detained men, um, as well as probably the percentage of people arriving in the UK to seek asylum is probably skewed towards towards men as well. Oh, William, I, I applaud you. I pray for people in your team for all the, the blessings and support that you're giving to these gentlemen, uh, these people at this time that are being torn from 
their families, searching for a new life, but you're providing them with that hope, with the support they need. So that is such, that is good news. Listeners, we, it's been a bit of a, a sad morning, but we must remember all these beautiful things that William keeps sharing about how the Jesuit Refugee Services continues to support, bring normality, bring hope, and bring them through the last, this last challenge to hopefully building a new life being part of a new community here in England. William, how did you get involved? How did you get involved with the JRS? So I've been working at JRS um, for about five years now um, and um, have been kind of very fortunate um, to secure such a role. Um, I actually started out as an intern here at JRS and then have slowly kind of worked my way across um, to doing a job uh, where I focus on supporting people, uh, which I which I love. Um, I think I've always had quite a keen sense of uh, charity work and and altruism uh, to a certain extent, and, and I think that has sort of driven me and, and has always been quite a keen part of of the world that I was brought up to kind of see and, and, and the need to help other people. Um, but I think more these days, um, the thing that kind of keeps me in this role and, and um, makes me thankful that I'm doing what I'm doing and, and will keep me in this sector is that uh, I see daily injustice happening to people who maybe don't know um, how they should be treated or, or the rights that they should have. and. Um, we have a system that allows uh, people to get away with injustice and people who deserve better to be punished for that injustice. And I think that that is the motivation uh, these days is, is to try and help people to seek justice where they deserve it. Oh, I bet your mother and father are proud. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, you started as an intern. Listeners, listen to this. William, do they still take interns at JRS? Uh, we have had uh, interns since. Um, it is a specific program that we run every so often. Uh, so I would advise anybody who's interested uh, just to keep their eyes on our website and on our communications and seeks out. But I would also say um, there are lots of great uh organizations in the sector who are who are fighting the good fight alongside uh, JRS, uh, many of whom also will have opportunities uh, to take people on board. And um, the more people we have on side, the better. So so keep an eye out across the sector. And and if you're if you're ready and you want to um, work in this field, then then come and join us and uh, we'll be alongside you. Oh, beautiful. There is also, listeners, there is a Refugee Week event, Songs for an Imagination, which is being held this Saturday, June 25th, from 11 to 1. And this is at the Hurtado Jesuit Centre at 2 Chandler Street, London. Go on, meet the team. There'll be some delicious food. There'll be a performance. There'll be a textiles workshop. And listeners, who knows? Bringing your young ones, your family members along could plant the seed to creating a new fruitful tree, such as William is for us now. Oh, William, thank you for being on the program this morning. Would you mind ending the program with a prayer for us? 
Well, not for us, but for for the people you support and to encourage our listeners. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a prayer, um, St. Alban, uh, who is the patron saint of refugees and whose feast uh, I actually believe was this week. It was, it was. 22nd. Um, so I have a prayer um, to St. Alban um, for refugees. St. Alban, you gave us an example of hospitality by opening your home to one in need. And as a result of this encounter, were completely changed. We ask that through your intercession, we may be given the courage to offer help to those who are forced to flee their homes in search of safety. We ask that in accompanying others, as you did, we may encounter God in a new way. St. Alban, patron of refugees, pray for us and all the refugees around the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, William, and God bless you and all your work. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.